our special guest and uh, and I go back quite a ways. If I if I remember correctly, you came through Denver as part of the traveling troop, or maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. Yes, he, he's he's very expressive. Uh, in any event, it's uh, delightful to welcome uh, Dr. Ephraim Goldstein. He has been in ministry with Jews for Jesus uh, for quite a while, and he is currently working with CJF uh, Ministries out of uh, San Antonio, and he leads a congregation in Naharia, which is northern Israel. Dr. Goldstein is going to share the Word of God f- with us from Psalm uh, 122, and would you please welcome him, and would you allow me to pray for you? Yeah. Lord God, we are eager to hear your word, and we thank you, Lord, for the miracle and the mystery of how you use human vessels, how you use us who are pots of clay, Lord, to communicate your word to us. And so we simply pray, Lord, for each one of us that you'll give us ears to hear, Lord, the discernment in your ruach, in your spirit, Lord God, to know what it is that you're saying to each one of us. Lord God, we want as well the discernment to know how to take your word and how to apply it. We don't want to to be like those who look at the mirror and and then just walk away. So, Lord, speak to us, and we ask all of this in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. It's good to be here. Um, I live in Naharia with my wife uh, and I. We've been there for about two years. We were Before that, we were for almost 20 years in Tel Aviv, um, raised our children there. I'm uh, originally from New York, uh, came the Bronx. Yeah, who said yay? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> uh, we should do something special. Um, um, and uh, I've been in ministry, came to faith in uh, 1970. That's a good Jewish boy chick from the Bronx. And had that encounter with Yeshua that made me realize that he is the Messiah of Israel. And that uh, if my life had any other meaning or purpose, it would be to follow after Yeshua. And I have been trying to do that uh, since 1970. Um, a while ago, my son, he must have been a teenager, and he said, Abba, you know, you, you, you read the scriptures a lot, uh, and you're always... You know, how could you keep reading it and finding it interesting uh, for so many years? And I said, because it's so alive. And every time I open the scriptures, I have an encounter uh, with the living God, and I hear from His Holy Spirit. Um, and I keep reading it and keep discovering it, um, and it's exciting. Um, you know, uh, for many years I wanted to do a deep, intensive study in the book of Proverbs. And uh, so a couple of years ago I had these two big volumes by Bruce Walkey, uh, one of my favorite uh, Old Testament professors and scholars. 
And I said, I'm going to take whatever it takes to go through his two volumes of Proverbs, reading the Hebrew, uh, reading from the Tanakh, and, and having a dialogue with Bruce Walke and others as I sit. And I went through the book of Psalms, a Proverbs. And at the end of it, I scratched my head and said, I don't understand Proverbs any more now than I did before. Um, and I'm reading it, you know, at this point. Point every you know every reading one's proverbs a day, and still scratching my head at the depths of it. So I said, "Okay, I'll move on." Another project I had was to study the book of Isaiah using the two-volume commentary from uh, uh, John Oswald. And I'm going through it. I got up to chapter 16 before I took a sidetrack, and I'm reading the book of Isaiah in Hebrew and saying, "I'll never understand that book if I live." 200 more years. Uh, it is just so beautiful uh, in its intricacy in the Hebrew scriptures um, and in the English. Um, and it's just to encourage you. The Word of God is, is so deep and so beautiful. And when I heard, uh, I'll just call you David since I uh, uh, read uh, from the Torah. Uh, such a beautiful reading. I don't know who, uh, where, who taught you uh, to uh, read the Torah. Uh, and the Parshat Shavuot so beautifully, but um, I could listen to, we only got three verses, I could have listened to you all morning, um, but I'm tired and I might have dozed off. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> uh, it's been a long trip. We left home, my wife and I, in uh, February 23rd, and we'll be back home on the 25th, and it's impossible, hard for me to imagine that next Shabbat I'll be home in Naharia. At the end of the month, we have a monthly uh, um, Oneg Shabbat where we meet uh, on Friday night for a dinner and a fellowship, uh, and we're partnering with an Arab fellowship, and uh, we'll all be having dinner together uh, next Friday, and I'll be sharing uh, what God has been doing. And uh, since we've started this fellowship with this Arab uh, fellowship and ours, I tell you, our Oneg uh, Kabbalat Shabbat has gotten so good. Those Arab sisters and brothers can really cook incredible, and so can our Jewish uh, men and women. And we, uh, we have some food. If that doesn't entice you all to come up to Naharia the last Friday of the month, uh, then nothing should. Uh, or if you happen to be in Israel the last Friday of a month, uh, stop by. Um, um, the Lord is good in what we're doing, as uh, Chaim started to say, uh, Rabbi Orbach, that uh, for uh, 30 years my wife and I were on the team with uh, Jews for Jesus Ministries. Now we're ministering with the uh, folks at CJF Ministries. Basically, CJF provides us an umbrella, an opportunity to continue uh, to minister um, uh, as we've been doing uh, our ministry. In fact, you got a brochure. Most of you should got a brochure. Um, uh, we just need one per family, uh, but what I ask, you can even do it now, uh, take it, you tear the perforated edge if you scroll out and tear off the last section and uh, fill it out. I'm mostly looking for your email. Uh, Jeannie and I send out an email update uh, each month. We try to keep it light and breezy um, because I'm just a light and breezy kind of guy. Uh, <laughs> compared to all the newsletters we get that are kind of heavy and take up a lot of space and attachments. You don't, nobody wants to detach anything, download, upload. 
And, uh, but it really means a lot to me to, uh, for people to get our updates. Was that a message? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, there's somebody in the back row who... <laughs> no, that's... Uh, uh, um, so please fill it out and give me your email. If you want regular mail from CJF or from us, we can send you regular mail too. Um, but that means a lot to me. Uh, one of the things, we have a small fellowship in Naharia. Uh We feel isolated and cut off at times. Um, and uh, being able to send out a newsletter, being able to get comments from other people uh, means a lot to us. Um, you can turn on the... Uh, voila. Um, as I was preparing for this trip, and knowing I, knowing I would be speaking at uh, a number of Messianic congregations, I thought of preparing uh, some, uh, some message that would be fresh to me and, and to you, um, and yet would speak to the big picture of what God is doing in Israel and in our lives. And uh, Jerusalem is on the top of our heart. I don't know if uh, the backdrop to the songs that we sang were intentional that I was going to be bringing a message on Jerusalem, but I sure liked those uh, pictures. I'd like to steal them. Uh, they're so much nicer than the pictures I have here. <laughs> um, but Jerusalem is always uh, close to our heart. And uh, as we think about Jerusalem, you know, the question is what does Jerusalem mean to us? What is Jerusalem? Uh, you hear about it, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, it's the capital, it has meaning, it's, it, it becomes to many people almost a metaphor or a concept uh, of something. And, and I think sometimes, even as Messianic believers, um, we don't really have our finger on it. Um, but if you do, um, and I'm, uh, quote, preaching to the choir then I want to encourage you uh, and give you more um, good ammunition. Um, as uh, Rabbi Orbach was saying in the beginning, uh, and with the slide uh, of the archaeological dig, there's so much bad information out that it's mind-boggling, and there's so much disinformation out uh, that it's discouraging. And uh, I have to contact those archaeologists because I lost those coins <laughs> at the South Wall when I was there two years ago. Uh, and so it's very good to know they found my coins. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I, just, I, I just lose things all over the place. So now I know where they are. I don't mean to break the heart of that joyful uh, young archaeologist. Uh, um, but Jerusalem... Uh, has all of these different meanings. But when we get down to it, Jerusalem is a place where Hashem put His address. Um, God wanted and needed a physical place on the universe, on the planet, where the people of the covenant would bring their sacrifices and offering. Because the Lord said, 
that the people of Israel will offer sacrifices and offerings, and the Aron Kodesh would find a resting place, and that's a physical place. There was only going to be one place where Hashem would receive sacrifice, and that was going to be Yerushalayim. There was one place where the covenanted people would gather to conduct their business, and that would be Yerushalayim. And so Yerushalayim becomes the physical address of Hashem. We need a physical address. We have a place, a resting place, a house, a land. Now, I understand this from a much smaller perspective. Uh, I'm a dual citizen. I have Israeli citizenship and uh, uh, American citizenship. But I don't have an address in America anymore. And so the other day, I'm riding a rental car, and I have a credit card, and I slid my credit card, and all of a sudden it wants me to give a zip code. Now, this is problematic, because all I have is a P.O. box that I don't remember. Uh, the, the and so to connect with a physical address in the U.S. is hard for me. Um, but Hashem wanted a physical address, and that was and is Jerusalem. And that was the place where obviously Yeshua went up uh, for his last Pesach and died at that place that we don't quite know where it is, but we know that it happened and rose again from a tomb that we don't quite know where it is, but we know he rose. Um, And so the physicality of Jerusalem becomes an important thing to us. Jerusalem as a place where... uh, um, Sorry, Isaac, we're going to have to keep you awake this morning. (laughs) Actually, it's almost, if it's long enough to reach me, is it? Uh, no, better to have you do it. Then I'm running back and forth, and I'll trip, and you know, it's not going good for me these days. Um, but Jerusalem was a place where Adon Tzedek worshipped and sacrificed Hashem, to Hashem. So it had a good root and a good origin. It wasn't a pagan site that needed to be converted. As far as we know, it was a physical site that the Lord was worshipped at and it was going to continue. But Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, is not uh, the city of peace that we know. And just in uh, not even a survey of, of the history of Jerusalem, but it's a city that has been destroyed over and over again, conquered over and over again. Um, They say 40 times, more than 40 times, the city has been conquered. More than 21 times it's been destroyed. Um, You know, to do archaeology in uh, parts of Jerusalem, not the Ophel's a little easier, but in the city of David, uh, to do archaeology there is is like a just, I mean, it's, it's like a bomb blew up 21 times and scattered ruins all over the place, and uh, the archaeologists sort through it. Um, uh, so it's been a city uh, that has borne a burden. Um, 
when uh, you stood up uh, to open the Aron Kodesh and everybody faced that way, I was a little confused because there's no windows here and, and I didn't know why you're facing that way. Has somebody checked with a compass that that is east, I hope? Okay, because <laughs> it is. Okay, you've checked it with a compass? And I know, well, you know, here everything is like, if it's not the hills, you know, everybody's like, do you see the mountains, you know, and, and then if you see the mountains, then you know the other way, but, but uh, I'd like a GPS checking on that, because that, uh, we're in a basement, you know, you could tell me to face anywhere, and I don't know. <laughs> but Jerusalem, we face, and it's close to our hearts, and it's been suffered with destructions and reconquests. Um, yeah, it, it seems mind-boggling that people would say Jerusalem isn't really the Jews. Israel really doesn't belong to us. Uh, I don't know. How, it's, it's mind-numbing because of the historical presence, uh, the biblical record, the archaeological record. Uh, there's not a lot. Uh, but the destruction of Jerusalem also is embedded on the hearts of the Jewish people. Um, as we consider it. But this morning I want to look at Psalm 122. Um, and uh, yesterday as I shared this message at Roy Israel, uh, somebody mentioned that the text I'm using is not really a good kosher text and I didn't even really pay attention to it when I called it up. Cause, uh, and so when I get back I'll correct, use a more kosher text um, also, I saw yees and yows and thous, and I said, oh, I don't know what Bible that's coming from. I just pulled it up on my computer. I, I don't like Bibles that have too many yees and thous. Um, but, uh, so I apologize for that. That was the criticism I got last night. And um, if one Messianic brother said it, then how many other Messianic brothers and sisters will say it? <laughs> um, I rejoiced when those said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. I rejoiced. Uh, it was the simcha of the worshiper, the joy. And, and I think of what are those things that bring us joy? Um, I know um, when I see my wife tomorrow and when my wife and I get back to uh, Israel and on Wednesday We'll see our grandson, little Segev. Uh, he's about six months old now. Uh, that will be a joy. When I'm standing with the Kehla uh, next Friday night, that will be a joy. Um, but the worshiper here, he says it was his joy, his simcha, to go up to worship God, that there was an address, a place where he could turn and he could bring his sacrifices. And he says, that place when I was at your gates, Jerusalem, I was happy. And uh, when they went up to Jerusalem, the compacted city. Uh, yesterday, I uh, uh, was up at Red Rock Park and hiked one of the trails not there. A guy said, now these trails are boring. You want to go down to Montgomery, whatever it's called, and there's another park and hike up Mount Fletcher, I think it was. Or, uh, and I hiked up the trail there and was looking out over Denver and saying, my God, 
this is one. Jefferson County is one big place. <laughs> I, I literally, you could fit, you know, a massive section of Israel into Jefferson County. Um, but Jerusalem, we read about, is a small, connected little city. Uh, it was small and connected because uh, to protect it, uh, you needed to be connected and couldn't be scattered out. And it was small and connected because of the water sources. There's only one natural source, this little uh, Gihon spring that goes through it. But most of the water was the water you collected from your wells uh, that had to last you. And uh, Jerusalem, like all of Israel, is small and compacted. One thing I discover when I have to remember when I come to America is I have to go back to American space, like keeping far away from the people. <laughs> the other day, I was in a Starbucks, and I guess I must have encroached on the guy in front of me's space. We were, I started talking to him because he was in front of me, but before the end, before we got called, I actually, uh, he was standing behind me. <laughs> I was thinking about that. I guess I encroached on his space so much that he like kept backing off until he was gave up his space in line, which Israelis were notorious for cutting in line, but that was not my intent. I was just talking to the guy. But Jerusalem living, Israel living, you know, we're close to each other, um, even if we don't like each other. But he says it's compacted together, and he says. Uh-uh, uh, that they go up, even the tribes of Jehovah for ordinance for Israel. The mention of the tribes going up, where the tribes go up to the tribes of uh, Adonai, um, this is speaking about the covenant relationship, that Israel had a responsibility to go up. And he speaks about the ordinances, in the translations it says the statute given, it's edut, Le Israel, Edut Israel speaks again of the covenanted people. So it's kind of a technical language uh, of the tribes and uh, the statutes or Edut Israel. And it speaks about the throne of the Kisei or Kes Hamelech. Um, so Jerusalem was the place where you went up to fulfill your legal and covenantal obligations before Hashem. But it was one place where you could go with your sacrifices and offerings and bring them to Hashem. Um, This was the uniqueness of the city. And then we come to the part that I wanted to look at in verse 6, which is pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's Sha'alu Shalom Yerushalayim. Now, Sha'alu is not a normal term that we use of, of praying, but it's a term of making inquiry. And when we are called to concern ourselves for Jerusalem, we're not just praying in a vague concept or in a general prayer, but we're to make inquiry. Uh, I've met people over the years, and sometimes it's really kind of spooked me out when people say, I love you because you're a Jew. And, you know, 
I don't want to be loved because I'm a concept. Uh, I'd, I'd like to be liked because you know me. <laughs> but don't love me because I'm a concept. You know, and as we said, Jerusalem isn't just a concept to us. And the scripture doesn't say just pray these kind of flowery, vague prayers. And as Rabbi Urbach said, that we pray for Israel specific and to know. And the best example of this is in... Um, we weren't ready for that yet. That's okay. <laughs> Let's go back to the text. If you can go back. If you, there we go. Thank you. Um, we pray. We make inquiry. The best example is in Nehemiah chapter 1, where Nehemiah in exile, uh, a contingent comes back from Jerusalem, and he, it seems like he pounces upon them and says, tell me about Jerusalem. Tell me about the people and tell me about the city. And they give him this report of how the people are downtrodden, the walls are broken down, the gates are not repaired. And it sends him into this uh, deep, deep concern, almost depression uh, for Jerusalem. That is the concern we need to have for Jerusalem and for Israel because it's a concern about the people of Israel and the people of Jerusalem and today the people of Jerusalem are Jews and Arabs uh, and uh, others who've gathered there Um, and in Jerusalem side by side we have the Jewish people we have the whole variety of Christians worshiping there and we have Muslims So when you talk about the people of Jerusalem today, you're talking about a variety of people. You're talking about Jews and Arabs. Um, We're not talking in Jerusalem about the Jewish people because there's more people there who are the inhabitants and dwelling there. But yet when I think of the Jewish people in Jerusalem, even there we don't have... uh, a unity or a monolith of people. There's a whole variety of Jewish people in Jerusalem as well. And some of the most, uh, the people to be most feared and the most fanatical people, are, I don't know if you can see it well from there, but uh, in that bottom left corner, those are the most fearsome people uh, in Jerusalem and that are, those are the fans of Beitar Yerushalayim, the football team. Thank you. Um, Beitar fans are the most fanatical. And football, that is football with your feet and not your hands. Ah, is that what you call it, soccer? Yes. Very confusing to, not to me, because I grew up in the U.S., but to other international people. Uh, one day America will get that right. Um, I just don't know what you'll do with the guys who throw the football. Uh, but the Beitar fans, you never want to be in Jerusalem near Teddy Kollek Stadium uh, in another color other than yellow or black when Beitar is playing. Uh, I mean, they will literally tear you apart. Uh, when I was with Jews for Jesus, we used to hand out gospel tracts uh, 
tried to get to some of the football games, and we had to make sure that our people were in the right color, and, and also that the pamphlets, one time I got somebody went, went berserk because our pamphlet was uh, like orange or something, and, and not yellow, and uh, we said, oh boy, this is way too complicated. Also, the football fans are not the most articulate, uh, loving people. And we found not the best people to try to share the uh, message of Yeshua with. Uh, we tried, but, um, but Jerusalem and Israel is about people. People at the heart and the concern of God. Uh, my ministry for almost 40 years has been to my Jewish people. Um, and that's my heart, is to let other Jewish people know the good news that the Messiah has come. And his name is Yeshua. Um, but an interesting thing has happened in my life and the ministry since moving to Nahariya two years ago. Uh, up in Galilee, there's something that they call the uh, Galilee Triangle, which is, ends just uh, maybe five, ten kilometers from my house. And in that triangle are 400,000 Arabs um, and, and less than 40,000 Jews. I thought when I was moving up to Nahariya, I'd probably have to pick up and learn some Russian to minister to uh, the Russian uh, immigrants. Uh, little did I know in our congregation where there's a whole contingent of uh, Svardim from uh, South America. And first I thought, I'd, okay, I'd have to brush up my Spanish. But really, as I began to dig in and see what ministry was about, um, it's about learning Arabic. It's about sharing the gospel with Arabs. The Arabs up in Galilee are the, the people doing all the uh, people in the shops, the shopkeepers, uh, the clerks, uh, the contractors. And all of a sudden, God is changing my heart to say, you know, as a Messianic Jew, if I have an inheritance in that land, and as the Messianic Jews are proud to say, this is our land, God has given it, we can't give back a centimeter, well, if this is my land, then I need to be witnessing and sharing to my Arab neighbors. And in Tel Aviv for over 20 years, I, that wasn't a thought I had. And now I'm even looking to learn, uh, take, take, taking courses in Arabic. The problem is in Western Galilee, there's no beginner courses in Arabic because everybody speaks Arabic. <laughs> but I'll find something. Um, and... I realized in Galilee there are other like-minded believers, Jews and Arabs, who we are burdened to share the gospel with Arabs and Jews. I taught a course at Bethlehem Bible College, their Nazareth campus, on how to share the gospel with Jews. Uh, it was the first time they ever had a course in Hebrew. Um, the president of the Bible College, Jack Sarah, said, I'll put you as adjunct faculty in our uh, Bethlehem Bible College, I said, Chuck, you certainly didn't do me a favor. <laughs> I don't know if I still appear as adjunct faculty, but, but it was a privilege to teach Arab pastors how to share their faith with Jewish people. Uh, this summer, there's going to be an outreach in Galilee, um, and I saw the T-shirt, a beautiful design. It says in Arabic, uh, Jews love Arabs. It says in Hebrew, uh, Arabs loving Jews, and it says in both languages, in the Messiah Yeshua. Um, this, I believe, is the key 
to the peace of Jerusalem, the peace of Israel. The land is populated with over a million and a half, I believe probably two million Arabs who are unrepentant, unrepentant Christians, unrepentant Muslims. The land is filled with over seven and a half million Jews, unrepentant Jews who are secularists, unrepentant Jews who are religious. And our work is to bring the peace of Jerusalem, the peace of God to the land by sharing our faith with Arabs and with Jews. Um, There's two time bombs that are working against us in a sense. And I hope you don't take this wrong. One is the Muslim time bomb, a demographic time bomb, I should say, that's standing there. Uh, By 2025, in the Galilee Triangle, the population will grow proportionally, but 80% of the Arabs will be Muslim. The demographic situation for the religious Jewish people, the Haredim, uh, is also off the charts that in, by 2020, uh, you know, they ha- will have gone from being less than 10% in the 80s to being more than 25% of the Jewish population. Um, cities like Beit Shemesh uh, are having uh, real uh, struggles because the city has become Haredi and the other secular Israelis and the Sephardic Jews uh, are really getting pushed out. Um, and Sephardic uh, Haredi Jews are hard to share your faith with, and Muslims who, knew, uh, who are growing and, and the radicalization of Islam is also presenting a problem. But I believe the peace of Jerusalem depends upon sharing our faith and seeing Muslims and Jews coming to faith in Yeshua HaMashiach. That's our burden. That's my burden. That's my heart. Um, we're trying to build our congregation. Um, we live in the shadow of Lebanon. Uh, the situation there is so tense uh, militarily. Um, it's a, people say, well, or, you know, could war break out? War could break out. It's so tense. It, war could break out at any time, I believe, politically in, in Israel today. Uh, just know that. You know, you don't get the sense of, you know, you get the sense that things are going back and forth. They're talking about peace. They're not, you know. Um, and that's on the surface. But the reality, especially in northern Israel, is a war could break out. And I'm talking about a serious war at any moment. All of the pieces are in place. Um, from Hezbollah to the Israeli army. Um, and we need your prayers. You know, if you know Israelis, we don't walk around with gloom and doom. Um, I moved into this new apartment, and they have metal bomb shelters on our safety room, and the metal shutters were, I couldn't close them, you know, so I asked the landlord, I said, you know, Chaim, can you close the shutters? Yeah, I don't want to mold away, but at least if I need to, and his son says, what are you, afraid? Ma, ta mefached? He says, no, it's like I I wanted to say to the son, (laughs) but that's not nice to say. The son said to me, are you afraid? And I wanted to say to the kid, what are you, stupid? You know, know, a siren goes off. I want to be able to close the shutters. Uh, But so people don't deal with the daily reality, but but it's there. Um, And pray for the people. 
Pray for the outreach. Don't be caught up as we are so easily in the politics of it, especially the Messianic uh, community. Um, you know, sometimes we just get so caught up in the politics uh, that we forget that uh, Hashem is doing a great work there and His will is sovereign. If He wanted us to control all of the land and every little centimeter of land, He wouldn't have put so many Arabs living on them. (laughs) Um, He knows what He's doing. And I believe the Arabs were left in Israel on the land. We didn't come to an empty land because He wants them to come to faith in Yeshua. That is why the Arabs are there. And that's why he brought us back to our land as well. Um, okay, thank you. Um, a final note, I just have to say it. Um, I don't think anybody holds to this here, but, but the prosperity teaching, the prosperity doctrines that are so popular in the U.S. on Christian radio, um, they use these verses. Um, in Psalm 122, and, and I just have to say a caution to say, this is not a prosperity teaching. Um, and if you read the Hebrew text, it's really not talking about prosperity. Uh, Osher, um, uh, you know, it's not speaking anything of that language. It's speaking about peace, and it's speaking about contentment. Shava. Uh, it's not. It's not even using any language that lends to monetary. But I've heard these verses being used by people that if you pray for Jerusalem, you want to pray for Jerusalem because you want to be rich. And if you pray five times a day, you'll be five times richer. Um, You know, uh, the only way I'm going to get rich is if people give a lot of donations and somebody come invest some money for me secretly in Apple or some other stock. And uh, I, I don't believe I'm going to get rich because I pray and I'm faithful. The reason you want to pray for Jerusalem, the reason you want to be concerned about the Jewish people, is God is concerned Amen. about the Jewish people. And as the people of, we God, we need, of God, we need the Ruach HaKodesh to lead us and guide us into understanding and appreciating God's will. And God's will is for the well-being and peace of the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And God's will is for the well-being and peace of of Keilat Yeshuat Zion. This is where we want to be, and this is where we want to be connected. So when we think of praying for Jerusalem and the peace of Jerusalem, we think about making inquiry of the people. It's about the people. Uh, you, some of you here, are involved in outreach in the community. Praise God. Continue. It's about the people. When you think about Israel, it's the people, people, people. The politics will play itself out uh, and has nothing to do with our opinion. Um, But the people have everything to do with our interaction and well-being and praying for them and knowing about it, uh, knowing knowledgeably what's going on. Um, You know, I wish there was some way that you could be better informed about Israel. Um, other than writing me emails, uh, but then you'll just get my boiled positions, which tomorrow we can have some more of my views uh, and uh, testimony you know, over a cup of coffee and some cake um, at uh, Helene's house, uh, and I love that before I go back. But 
make your hearts concerned for the salvation of the people in Israel. That is my hope. Let me have a word of prayer for you all. Avinu Malkeinu, we thank you, Father God, for your goodness and your mercy. And we thank you that Yeshua has gone out from Zion. From Zion, your word has gone forth, Father. And your concern is for the salvation of the people. The people who dwell in Jerusalem, Jews and Arabs you've brought together, people from other nations. And I pray, Father, that we will see Arabs and Muslims coming to faith. We'll see more of our Jewish people coming to faith. Lord, that this may stem the tide of the hatred, that may stem the tide of a judgment that will fall upon unrepentant Arabs and unrepentant Jewish people, Father. And I thank you for friends like we have here at Yeshua Tzion, co-laborers in the Messiah. And I ask for your blessing upon uh, Rabbi Urbach and Rabbi David and others who minister here in this fellowship, Father. Um, May they be a beacon of light to Jew and Gentile alike, to the Jewish person making inquiry that he can know there's a place to come where the word of Yeshua could be heard. And Father, I thank you for the chance I've had to be here um, at this Kehillah and other congregations this past month. May I bring something back to the people in Naharia at our congregation, or Hagalil. Watch over us, protect us. For I ask it in the name of Yeshua. Amen. I really believe that the Lord has been speaking to us today. And um, we always, always, always want to respond to him. Amen. Father God, we... uh, we thank you that you are faithful. Lord, you're faithful to Israel. You're faithful to us. You have glorious plan, Lord, for the restoration of the world, beginning in Israel and working its way outward. We pray, Lord God, for eyes to see what you're doing And to see, Lord God, how we fit within your larger overall plan. In our current circumstances where we are, and as well, Lord God, more broadly. We pray, Lord God, for your grace and favor to come upon uh, Ephraim and his wife and those that work with them. Lord God, meet all their needs fully according to your riches and glory. We pray, Lord God, that your kingdom within them and through them will expand and that people would come into your kingdom through their life and ministry and be mentored, discipled into being faithful followers of you, Lord. We pray that you would receive our offering, and Lord, that you would use it to multiply your kingdom, your word, the name of Yeshua.